I'm quite happy that I don't have to hear your sound effects. Why? I just prefer it without them. You don't like my sound effects? I, I don't dislike them. We might have to go to some kind of counselling for this. Man. I think... <laughs> well, I, I admire your technical capabilities, but I, I don't love your sound effects. What? I even put the pirate one in for you. That, that was... Actually, thank you. Yeah, that was, that was nice of you. <clears throat> anyway, can we um, get on with the show? Get on with the show, please. <laughs> Alright, hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Have you ever wondered how Indian whiskey tastes, how they drink it over there, and how a place with such an aggressive climate can make whiskey? Now, if these questions have kept you up all night pondering, making you lose sleep, then fear not, as you have come to the right place this week. Uh, as Daz and I will be talking about all things Indian whiskey, I am your co-host Mitch Beshard and on this adventure over to India I will be joined as always by my co-pilot and whiskey sipping buddy Daz Al- Haldane. Daz, how's it going mate? I'm alright mate, I'm alright, you almost got my name right there. I know, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got my passport ready bro, ready to check in uh, and I can't wait actually to get tucked into these whiskies. Um, we're in the heart of Speyside. We are, doing this live for a change. I know and um, in the world famous Copper Brock. Which is a little bit cooler than India, I have to say. And it's really nice to be back in Speyside. Mate, it's just so nice, right? I mean, we're sitting here in the whiskey snug. Uh, I'm about to... You've already got your beer going. Yeah, yeah, I'm ahead of you. I've just opened mine up. We don't always drink whiskey, guys, so sometimes we do have a... Have a little beer now and again. We decided that this weekend, Daz had a little bit of free time. I was already up at Copper Brock, so we'd come up here and hang out. And it's been a nice day already. Went to McAllen, your old stomping ground. We did. It was really nice, actually. And it hasn't lost its charm, I have to say. It was really nice to get back to McAllen. Um, we went to... We dropped into Glenallachie, Aberlour. We had a look at um, the distillery just around the corner. Uh, it used to be Imperial. What's it called again? Del Munich. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, really, really Stunning. beautiful. And I've got a really nice picture, actually. I'll back that up onto the, the Instagram channel at Not Another Whiskey Podcast if you're not following it already. Bash on. See what I did there, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Good little time. Yeah, thanks, mate. Nice segue. Well, listen, it's it, today's episode is about Indian whiskey and a massive thanks to Rampur, actually, for jumping on board for this episode. And within that, we've actually got a couple of special guests lined up to help us explain and and give a little bit more insight into Indian whiskey because in all honesty I don't have a huge amount of experience with Indian whiskey I'm aware of a few of the brands and I've tried a few of the products um, but I've never really done a sort of deep dive or a big dig into what makes it different what makes it special where are the distilleries what flavors do they produce and stuff so what we've done is we've brought in a couple of guests to help us do that Today we're going to be joined by Sanjeev Banga, who is from the Rampur Distillery. Uh, he tuned in and uh, we've, we've done a bit of an interview and a catch up with him, which is really cool. And also, um, we've brought in our old pal, a uh, YouTuber and whiskey enthusiast and expert, the whiskey advisor, uh, who who's based over there as well, a guy called Udi, who's a brilliant guy. And he's going to share with us more just about Indian whiskey just generally. So a couple of good guests, mate, to keep us right. Absolutely. Okay, Smokey, Daz, let's get into this. Um, I want to start off by, you know, I just poured myself a beer. Yeah. But Rampur, as we mentioned already, the sponsor of the show, uh, not only did they sponsor the show, but they kindly sent us a few bottles. 
They did. They so did. I think we should, because uh, we're having a beer, let's make it a half and half. All right, let's do it. Pull this out. I mean, what, what do you, you know, initial thoughts? We're going to talk a little bit more about Rampur with, with, with Sanjeev. So, but what do you think, mate? Initial thoughts of this, this liquid? Um, so Indian whiskey generally, I probably became aware of it in about 2006 in terms of, you know, good quality whiskies that were, were getting well reviewed and things like that. And uh, we're just having a little dig around, actually. John Hansel and the Whiskey Advocate um, talked about Amrit as, as the kind of, as the whiskey that really showcased everything that Indian whiskey could be. And actually, that was the product that I remember was Fusion from them which I enjoyed a lot, actually. And I remember tasting that a few times, probably in about 2006, 2007, something mm -hmm. like that was when I first became aware of Indian whiskey as a, as a rival or a competitor to single malt scotches as we saw at the time. And probably around that same time, I started to probably appreciate Japanese whiskey, to be fair, as well. Mm -hmm. And over that period of time, we've seen a lot more um, impact from Japanese whiskeys coming over to the UK. And Indian whiskey now... Uh, with with Rampur, Amrut, and uh, Paul John, we're starting to see a few more coming through. So I guess probably two thousand and five was six, maybe when I became aware of of, of what I think is really good Indian whiskey. Mm. Yeah, I think you were a little bit before me on that. I, I was aware of the fact that so much whiskey is consumed in India. Yeah, I mean one of the the stats is you look at the top ten whiskies in the world, uh, and I think eight of them are out of India. And we're, we're not talking, you know, the, the, the quality stuff that we're mm -hmm. drinking with Rampur right now. We're talking the the, the molasses-based Indian whiskey. Yeah. Uh, which, which do get blended with scotch, right? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you're talking about, what, two pounds a bottle, I think it is, yeah. for, for those kind of kind of expressions. So, um, But yeah, that was that was it for me. But really interesting doing this, this, this episode on it. And guys, hopefully you enjoy listening to this. I think before we get into the subject of Indian whiskey, Daz, let's see what's been happening in the world of whiskey. Daz Mitch's Whiskey News of the Week. I think it's um, it's actually a really good time and we didn't do it on purpose, but trade talks have began again with um, India and the UK with regards to import taxes on whiskey going into India. Um the, India is a huge place, of course, and it's many states and, and, and taxation changes, actually, as you go around the different states. But generally, it's a lot more expensive to buy single malt whiskey in India than it would be here. So say, for example, and we, we'll, we'll cover this off with Uday as well, um, but a bottle of Glenfiddich 12-year-old here would, would be, what, 30 quid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there it would probably be about 65, 70 yeah. quid. So there's a massive tax, um, which which makes it quite an elitist thing, single malt whiskey, and um, it's a it's a very middle to upper class, you know, cons consumption kind of target market, I suppose, for single malts. So, what would happen in a country of one point four billion people um, if you reduce those taxes? Is obviously demand would go up, so it would be a significant change for whiskies going into India for the for the Scotch whisky industry if, if that was to change, and that's what those trade negotiations are are looking to do is, is to reduce these uh, higher taxes going in. And if they do that, they ultimately they open up a huge market for, for whiskey to a tune of about one billion over the next five years. In other news, which is also quite relevant to where we are right now, and, and by the way, guys, there's not much going on in the whiskey world right now. January is always quite a, a dry month for, for whiskey news. So, um, But 
where we are right now, we mentioned we're in Speyside already, uh, but Speyside is going to add another distillery to its, its growing number uh, that, 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 that's here already. So the guys behind the Bimber distillery down in London and, and Bimber Whiskey, uh, they, they released a plan quite a while back that they were going to create a distillery in, in Scotland. And um, their newest project, they're calling it the, the Dunfail Distillery. It's going to be a small distillery, around about 200,000 litres per year, uh, converted from an existing steading in Rothes, I believe. Uh, and they're going to... So reading this kind of word for word, uh, their aim is to shift perceptions of what Scotch whisky can be, adopting a single-minded approach to production, utilising time-honoured processes such as on-site floor maltings, traditional kilning, long fermentations and direct fired stills. So there nice. you go, okay. another distillery in Speyside because that's exactly what it needs. It hasn't got enough already. Now it's time for some interesting whiskey facts that definitely won't get you any new friends on a Friday or Saturday night while standing in a bar. Might work on a Monday or Tuesday though. Alright guys, so interesting facts that aren't going to get you any new friends. So this week it makes sense to give you some facts around India because we're going to be dropping in some facts about Indian whiskey throughout the show. Uh, so we thought it'd be cool for you guys to get some interesting facts about the country. So first one, India is actually the wettest inhabited place on earth. Now, I thought this was Scotland, Daz, but apparently Meghalaya, I think it's, it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. um, it's a village in India. It holds the Guinness World Record for the wettest place on earth with round about 11,873 millimetres of rain annually. And its monsoon season lasts six months. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. I, I thought it would have been cow and beef or something like that but maybe <laughs> maybe i'm wrong <laughs> maybe they haven't measured it yet who knows <laughs> all right india's got 22 recognized languages i'm sure it's got tons more than that it's you know the numerous languages are spoken and the dialects that sit within that um santali kashmiri bengali tamil urdu however the official languages are english and hindi did you know that no mm, i wasn't aware of that India also has the world's second largest population of English speakers. First is the United States, and then Indians uh, using their own regional languages as well as English for backup uh, for easier communication. India is ranked the second most populated country in the world, second only to China. So India has roughly 1.37 billion people, and the numbers keep climbing. It's estimated that by the year 2050, India will have surpassed China to become the most populated country in the world. Yeah, it's massively diverse as well, obviously. 80% um, in Hindu, 15% uh, Muslim, and then millions more Sikh uh, or Christian or Jain. The popular game Snakes and Ladders... Do that again. The popular game Snakes and Ladders originated in India, which I didn't know. Oh. Uh, it was first created to teach morals and lessons about karma in the way that young children would understand and remember. There you go. There we are. How's your snakes and ladders, Mitch? I kill it. Are you good at I was, it? I was the uh, under fourteen champion of Scotland. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um, India has the highest population of vegetarians. Happy days. It's estimated that between fifteen and thirty percent of India's population are vegetarians. Shampoo originated in India. The word shampoo comes from the Sanskrit word champu, which means to massage. So the very first forms of shampoo were ground herbs mixed with water. Yeah. First time we've talked about shampoo on this show. Well, you, you don't have a lot of reasons to talk about <laughs> shampoo, Mitch. <laughs> Around 70% of the world's spices come from India. It's by far the largest producer of spices. Some of the best known spices, of course, are turmeric, cumin, saffron, and 
lovely chilies and chili powders. Bollywood is the largest producer of films, surpassing Hollywood. On average, Bollywood produces around about 1,500 to 2,000 films every year. So there you go. There's some interesting stuff about India that will not make you any new friends. Right, so let's get back to some whiskey chat. I caught up with my mate Uday, who is the whiskey advisor in India. So he's a full-time whiskey consultant. He trains people. He runs educational courses. Check him out on Instagram. Check him out on YouTube. But here's the interview, and here's what he had to say about whiskey in India. You, the, the whiskey advisor, Uday, are uh, a whiskey expert within India um, who, who talks to lots of different distilleries and your passions come through from scotch is that right oh absolutely uh, it actually stems from uh, seeing my granddad drink the glenfiddich 12 at home uh, when i was probably five six years old onwards you know so i've been uh, drinking scotch for a while and it's really good to see uh, quality indian single malts uh, on the market as well yeah yeah and what what about in india then um for those listeners who haven't been um, what is the perception of of single malts, particularly in India, from Scotland, but also also from India as well? Uh -huh. uh, it's a good question. I'd say uh, in India, single malts are considered, you know, the pinnacle of uh, whiskies. But if you look at the larger market, uh, they're not really uh, people who can afford to have a single malt. So India, most of the Indian consumption is a very low end mass market uh, whiskey. It's yeah. only when you go up the, uh, what do you say, the income classes that you get to the people even know about single malt and yeah. uh, then who can afford it. But the good news is that segment is growing constantly and there's a lot more demand for uh, Scotch single malts and a lot more awareness of the quality Indian single malts as well. I, I, tax is one of the big reasons, right, in India, why single malts are so expensive. I mean, for, for us here, a bottle of Glenfiddich 12-year-old in Scotland usually is about £30. Um, I mean, okay. how much would that cost me in India, given the, the taxation? So uh, let's just do, you know, use 100 rupees to the pound as a comparison. Yeah. So uh, where I live in Tamil Nadu, which is in the south of India, it's about uh, 62 pounds, more or less. Right, okay. And uh, that can vary widely uh, from, uh, say, 30 up in Gurgaon, all the way up to possibly 80 pounds or possibly a little more. Yeah, so the taxation is basically double or, or, or even more in, in certain states, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's quite, yeah, it's quite expensive because we were looking at that as uh, we know the trade bodies and stuff are meeting and, and they're looking to sort of see if they can develop uh, a better... Uh, taxation, you know, for, for single malts in India. That's a conversation that's gone on for quite a long time. Uh, we're, we're, we're hopeful. What, what are the chances of it happening? <laughs> um, you know, Georgis is as good as mine. Is and I've spoken with so many people, you know, right from retailers to uh, producers. Uh, the, the Indian uh, liquor lobby is quite strong as well. You know, and uh, they don't really want a Scotch single malt to come in and be priced possibly lower than an Indian single malt. Right? Uh, it could happen, uh, depending on the market, because you've got 28 states and eight union territories. Uh, prices and taxation policies are widely different, and uh, people are going to be protective about their market shares. So this is a conversation that has been had for many, many years, you know, talking about uh, the WTO and 
how, how it should be, you know, free trade, duties need to be reduced. I mean, I'd love to see it happen, but I'm not uh, holding my breath for it, to be honest. You know, what are the trends you're seeing in, in, in malt whiskey, particularly within India? Um, when I was growing up, uh, single malts really, you know, weren't a thing. So actually my granddad drinking the Glenfiddich 12 at home was an unusual thing. Uh, we hardly got any, so only somebody who's traveling abroad, they you know, probably bring a bottle back and it was a big deal. Uh, the most popular scotch brands at the time would have been Shivas uh, Regal and uh, Johnny Walker, specifically the 12-year-old Shivas and uh, Johnny Walker Black. Mm -hmm. Even now, they're the most uh, commonly drunk premium scotch whiskeys at parties. Uh, I never thought that, you know, I would, there would be a time when I could walk into a local store and literally there's one uh, about a hundred meters from my place and uh, be able to buy or uh, select from about 20, 30 single malt scotch nice. uh, or bourbons and, uh, you know, the like. So we've come a long way and uh, that says a lot also about, uh, you know, people's income has gone up mm. quite a bit. Uh, the prices have, if anything, come down. And people have traveled a lot. So, you know, um, whether it's uh, the clothes they wear or the food they eat or whatever it is, they're looking for story. They're looking for an experience. And uh, what better story than, you know, Scott Single Malt, for instance. Yeah, no, no, totally. And you mentioned food. And my uh, my father-in-law is, is from an Indian heritage as well. Um, so... Whiskey's consumed often here. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of passion for whiskey and it, at all times of the day uh, with anything, but in particular, whiskey and food, especially Indian food, do seem to work brilliantly together. Um, is, that, is that generally how you see the consumption of single malt? Is it usually very sociable group sort of session uh, with food and things like that involved? Um, generally in India, what happens is you don't, food and drinks don't really uh, go together as yeah. uh, much as the West, you know, so for example, I used to live in Spain uh, mm. for a few years and uh, wine and wine at the dinner table, uh, carry your drink to the dinner table. For us, historically, it's been, you know, have a drink and then go have a meal and then maybe have a drink after, right? Yeah, that's, that's the same uh, here. It's the same in Scotland mm -hmm. uh, because the Spanish and the Italians are so cultured. These things are like drink and food are totally interwoven. I always talk about it here in Scotland is like food and drink. They're, they're like different sports, you know? <laughs> they, they, <laughs> we do one or the other. We tend not to do both, you know? Mm -hmm. but, but it's changing in a small way. You know? Changing is there anything... Yeah. Uh, Anything yeah. in the Indian context, uh, I mean, I come from a country of a billion and a half people. Uh, change is uh, slow, but yeah. large numbers, uh, even within the even small percentages, are still large numbers, right? So there are people who are looking at, you know, pairing whiskey with food. I keep getting these requests, but it's very tricky, you know. Uh, like let's say a butter chicken could be made a hundred different ways. Yeah. Uh, and how do you pair a whiskey with it? And that dish could have 30 different spices. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it needs to be done, uh, you know, very carefully. But when you do, you do uh, manage to pair an Indian dish with a whiskey, it can really sing. You're right. It's, it's, it's how you do it, right? It's, it's how you get those flavors to, to work together. And But the great thing is, especially my... my my insight and, and certainly eating lots of Indian food is spices do work well uh, with, with whiskey because of the intensity of flavor, uh, the, the power in alcohol. 
And obviously the Rampur here, we have got here is 45%, which is you've got a lot to play with and it's really difficult to break it. Whereas with a wine that's more delicate, it's lower in alcohol content. You, you can comfortably, you could quite easily not yeah. get the balance right in flavor, you know? Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of it also, you know, uh, if you've got really spicy food and you've got a whiskey at 45%, your palate could get burnt in a hurry. So, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I come from a part of the country where food is really spicy and there's yeah, a lot yeah. of ground masalas. So, yeah, I mean, it could go either way, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to sit down with the chef and figure it out. I think the easy way out also is to uh, do highballs with really, really uh, spicy Indian food and uh, warm weather. That's kind of a nice gateway because mm-hmm. uh, not many people have been to, uh, let's say, a whiskey pair dinner, right? So you don't want to chase them off at the get-go. So kind of get them in smoothly and uh, then do more dinners with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that Rampur, the double cask will work well in a highball, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and see, when you're making a highball, are you just using ice and soda? Yep. Yeah. Generally, uh, sometimes a little bit of ginger ale, um, possibly, but more or less, you know, just ice and soda. And ice and soda is a very common drink here in India. Right. Uh, you know, because of our weather and summers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, whenever I do an event and I say I'm going to put a single malt in a highball, I get some interesting reactions, I have to say. But it's changing, it's changing. Slowly, it's changing, still, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's good. I, we're, we're, we're seeing some similar things here. What are you excited about coming from Indian whiskey at the moment? Is there is there a few little things that you're seeing that are giving you real hope that the reputation internationally of Indian whiskeys? going in a great direction? Um, I, I think uh, you need to put into context how long these guys have been around. It's only been about 15 years as compared to Scotch has been around for centuries. Uh, so the headway they've made in that short time is fabulous. Uh, I was at Amrut, uh, I think last week or 10 days ago, and they've got some amazing stuff coming, you know, constantly pushing the bar. Uh, and with Paul John as well, they've got some fabulous stuff. Rampur have been around less than 10 years. And mm. that asava that you're having is really, really interesting. I thought it would be, you know, really astringent and stuff, but when I tasted it, it was right at that age and it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a few other brands as well. We've got the old uh, Solon distillery that has Solon gold. I hope they come up with uh, something more interesting. And uh, we've got a couple of other single malts called Kamet and Indri, which come from just north of Delhi. And their master blender is uh, Mr. Surinder Kumar, uh, who used to be the master blender at Amrut and put Amrut on the world map with the fusion and uh, the other whiskeys. And uh, I'm told that uh, there are more malt distilleries coming up and possibly even one by a major Scottish brand. Right. Uh, can't really talk about it, but but there are yeah. 22 malt distilleries in India, you know. Uh, right. If and Diageo is launching their uh, peated single malt soon, yeah. so if the big boys start getting into it, it could really really catapult the category. I yeah. mean, there are risks as well uh, because our laws are not as uh, you know what do you say um, stringent as yeah. uh, say scotch laws would be like paul john rampur uh, amrut all these guys uh, have the same i mean they follow kind of like the swa kind of rules right yeah, so yeah, yeah. for three years and oak and all that but it's not a requirement uh, yeah. so there needs to be some protection for the category for sure 
Um, and I think the big guys coming in as well, hopefully that momentum would lead to it. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, that's right. I mean, if you've got 22 distilleries already and maybe five or six coming up in the next couple of years, that's a significant industry. Yeah, uh, so a lot of those distilleries are just producing bulk malt for blending you know, mm -hmm. for the mass market brands. Uh, they're not really focused on quality. Uh, but like the Diageo distillery in Ponda, in Goa, where the single malt is coming out, has quality stuff. Um, and I haven't been to a lot of those distilleries because they're in distilled plants. You know, you don't really get to go into them. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if in the next 10 years or 5 to 10 years, we've got about 10 malt distilleries, I think that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, no, that is a big deal, definitely. And a great reason to come to India and explore, you know, those whiskeys well, and, and see that category. Because what a... What I was quite taken by with the Rampur, the Asava in particular, was that that's an Indian red wine cask. It's, it's not a French red wine cask. Mm -hmm. It's not Spanish red wine. Wine's from India. And, and we saw that with Japanese whiskey is, you know, quite often at the start, um, they're not replicating, but they're, they're, they're using quite a lot of Scottish techniques. You know, they're, they're mm -hmm. using peat. They're, they're using, you know, some of the techniques that we're using here. But now we're seeing these influences from India really impacting the quality and, and the flavor profiles of these whiskies. And that's when it gets really interesting. You know, that's the bit that I'm yeah. most excited about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also geographically, you know, because even if you see the whiskies that we have now, so Amrit comes from the Deccan Plateau in Bangalore. Goa comes from by the ocean in Goa. And you have Rampur all the way up north. And uh, there are people with plans to set up distilleries in Himachal. And Himachal's weather is closer to Scottish weather than, you know, where I live. So mm -hmm. I think there's multiple elements that could come into play and uh, could be a very rich landscape potentially. Definitely. Whiskey regions in India even, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love for that day to come, you know, because I tried setting up a whiskey tour with two distilleries didn't quite work out. So I'm waiting <laughs> yeah. for the larger whiskey tour to come into place. Brilliant. Well, look, if you want to stay in touch with Uday, um, it's Whiskey Advisor on Instagram um, and also the Whiskey Advisor on YouTube. Uh, check out his videos and his tastings um, and also just keep in touch uh, through social media. Uday, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you so much, Des. It was a pleasure. Good thing about that, Daz, is you managed to record that and get it over to me so we could put it in the show. Well yeah. done, mate. No, no, that's um, it's, you put it in my KPIs for 2022, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope I hope I get a bonus or something like that at the back of it, mate. <laughs> so we've also got another guest on the show today. As as we mentioned at the start of the show, this is it's sponsored by uh, Rangpur Whiskey um, today, and uh, we had the great honour to be joined by Mr. Sanjeev Banga who is the president of international business for Rampur Whiskey. Uh, Sanjeev has a wealth of knowledge on Indian whiskey and is going to talk us through the amazing liquid that is Rampur. Uh, Sanjeev, welcome to the show and great to have you with us today. Thank you, Mitch, and as for the opportunity. And yeah, it'll be uh, lovely to talk about Indian whiskey as a category and uh, more specifically the Indian single malt, which is an emerging category. So um, as you may be aware, and a lot of your uh, podcast viewers uh, and listeners would be aware, India is a huge beverage alcohol market. The spirit side is close to about 350 million cases on an annualized basis, nine liter. And predominantly it is a whiskey and a brown spirit market. About 60 to 64% is whiskey uh, I'd say Indian whiskey, 
then followed by rum, brandy, and then the white spirits. In the uh, whiskey category, uh, we actually learned the whiskey making uh, from the British and the Scots uh, when it was part of the British uh, colony over here. And then uh, we've tried to perfect that art and maybe take a notch higher uh, than the <laughs> Scots uh, over there. No, but it's, it's a very robust uh, industry per se. Uh, organoleptically, it's very similar uh, to the Scotch whiskey. It's uh, fruity, floral, easy drinking uh, whiskeys. But uh, till about uh, 20 years ago, uh, before the multinationals came into India, most of the whiskey, most of the spirits in India were made out of sugarcane molasses, which uh, typically as per the uh, UK or the Scott regulations cannot be termed as whiskey, but India being a sugarcane growing uh, market, a very large market on that. So uh, rum was obviously made out of sugarcane molasses and then the uh, Indian uh, distillers started making whiskey as well from uh, sugarcane molasses blended with the uh, Scotch malts. And you had something which was organoleptically very similar to Scotch, but at a much more reasonable price than the Scotch whiskies. And also there was no uh, aging norm, so to say, for Indian whiskies. So most of the whiskies were non-aged. However, that was, as I mentioned, about uh, 20, 25 years ago, once the uh, market dynamics changed. And in fact, uh, as, as a company, Redigo Ketan, we were the first ones to introduce a whisky which was a grain-based uh, alcohol and then blended with scotch, a brand called APM. And in the first year itself, we clocked a million case of that. Uh, that's, a good, uh, that's a good launch, no? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and considering we have a very small population of just about 1.3 billion yeah. people. <laughs> And uh, since then, the, the whiskey or the beverage alcohol space has matured, improved, perfected quite a bit. And uh, you now have some of the uh, world-class whiskies being produced out of India. You have the multinationals all in India producing uh, grain-based whiskies as well. So are we at Redigo Kedan and a couple of other places as well. Uh, so, uh, as I said, whiskey is a predominant category in India, but then the other categories are also growing. So it's a very uh, healthy market over here in India. And uh, the Indian brands are now accepted the world over as well. And it is not only confined to the Indian diaspora, but to the mainstream consumers as well. So whether it is a whiskey or a vodka, uh, or rum or brandy. So across the board, uh, these are uh, acceptable to the global consumers. And uh, the, the big thing is the Indian single malt category. Uh, as uh, just to let you know, Rampur or uh, Redico Khetan, it was earlier known as Rampur Distillery. We were established in 1943. So that's about 78 years ago. And we started our malt distillation about close to 30 years ago. 
So we have the sugarcane molasses distillation, we have grain distillation, we have malt, and we also have a craft gin distillation. Uh, put together all the locations that we have, we do close to about uh, 13 million liters of alcohol every month. So that makes us one of the largest distillers in Asia. So going back to our malt distillery, we started that about 30 years ago and we've been aging malt since then. Primarily was being used for our own blends. We would produce the grain uh, alcohol and blend it with the Scotch malt and the Indian malt. And we were uh, doing our local whiskies over there. But then uh, we wanted to come up with our Indian single malt only when we were sure this is the perfect blend to share with the world. So it all actually happened in, uh, I still distinctly remember November of 2015, we were at the distillery and a master blender came up to us with uh, a malt. He said, why don't you try it? And the whole management team were there and we took a couple of uh, sips of that and we all fell in love and we said, yes, this is the one we need to bottle. And that's how Rampur Indian single malt came to life. Uh, this was November and in April of 2016, we were ready with the product and we launched it in Las Vegas. So uh, it's been a very interesting journey for us since then, uh, though I must at this point in time say we were not the first ones to come up with an Indian single malt. There were two other players who were there in the market. Uh, and then when we came, they, they had basically laid out a foundation for the category and we tried to build on to that foundation. So a lot of credit needs to go to Amrut for uh, starting the Indian single malt revolution. And we've tried to both uh, Paul, John and us and Rampur tried to build on the heritage or the start that we've got. And we're pretty happy about it. All the Indian single malt uh, producers we work fairly in tandem because it's a niche category. I was I was going to ask you that because when we think of Scotland, um, you know the blending bit side of the business, there is a lot of collaboration between the various producers because we need different flavors to create these different blends. And I was going to ask you how how competitive is it between yourself and Amrut and and the guys there? You but you're it sounds like already you you're very collaborative and. Uh, you know, if you if you all win, you know, if you, the whole category wins, right? Absolutely. The whole idea, as I said, it's a nascent, as a category, it's a very nascent stage at this point in time. And, uh, you know, the other good thing is that we located in North, in the foothills of Himalayas. Amrut is in Bangalore and Paul John is in Goa. So they are all weather condition-wise extremely different. Uh, the soil level, the soils are very different as well. So each one of these malts has a very distinct, unique flavor uh, about it. Uh, so we are, uh, in that sense, not competing with each other. In fact, we are collaborating, working together to create the Indian single malt as a category. Uh, and our brands are currently available, all the other brands that we produce in about 85 countries right now. So for us to move our single malt was not that difficult across the globe, but uh, it's strictly on allocation. So we haven't actually gone to all the 85 countries. 
Right now, Rampur and the various expressions of Rampur are only available in about 43 countries. Because it's on allocation, so we're just trying to feed the key markets rather than expand it over here. Yeah. It's what, one thing I was actually um, looking at, and, and congratulations, um, your Asava product uh, was recognized as one of the top 20 whiskies released last year by Whiskey Advocate. Uh, or this year, actually, in, in well, year. 2021, um, which is a brilliant accolade. Um, and you're up there with some great names as well. You're, you're looking after international markets um, in your kind of job and your day job. And how is the reputation of Indian whiskey internationally across those markets? It, it seems to be improving every day. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, as you mentioned about uh, the top 24 uh, Rampura Sava, in fact, in 2017, Whiskey Advocate, the first expression of Rampur, Rampur Select, was also amongst the uh, top 20 in 2017. So we've been consistently uh, getting uh, accolades and acceptance world over whether it is a double gold or in fact uh, select got the uh, double gold at the uh, iw uh, the, the san francisco spirit and wine competition as well over there so uh, you know the what we've tried to do in all the expressions of rampur is to retain and offer something indian to the malt consumers uh, everything that in terms of the liquid is Indian. We use a six-row North Indian barley. The cask, yes, of course, we use the first fill bourbon cask uh, for the maturation. That's the soul uh, of that. Being based in uh, foothills of Himalayas, we have access to the Himalayan groundwater, the soil, the air, they all lend a unique character to the Rampur uh, single malt. And that is the soul of Rampur is retained in all the expressions. So for Asava, we went a further, which is our fifth expression of Rampur. We wanted to add a bit more Indianness to that. So uh, it was, yes, matured in the first fill bourbon cask, and then we matured it in an Indian wine, Cabernet Sauvignon cask. Yeah. That's the first time a single malt has been matured in an Indian wine cask. I, I tasted that uh, the other day. It's so delicious, and it and it really was. I think the the ramper, the double cask, is has a lovely fruitiness, as you've already mentioned, and floral. I got a lot of pot puri. Um, I got a lot of apricot, stoned fruit, quite quite fresh, but but sweet and delicious. The the red wine cask there, the asava, has this lovely weighty, the rich sweetness um, that I really found very very pleasant. And my father in law. Uh, Sanjeev is from an Indian background as well, and and he particularly enjoyed that one as well. So it's um yeah it's it's well enjoyed in this house that's for sure. Great, great. You know, that's uh, our whole um, our motto or the the driving force for us is that India. There's a mystique about India. There is so much India has to offer in terms of flavors to the world. So, uh, and we've done that very, very efficiently with our food. Uh, so we want to replicate the same thing with our whiskeys as well. Uh, there's still so much to offer uh, in terms of uh, geographic locations, in terms of 
uh, typical uh, flavors, aromas, and the ingredients about it. So we are experimenting with a lot of things. We are, uh, and as, as the whiskeys are aging and they come out of the cask, we do expect some very unique, very Indian uh, flavors, aromas that we will be able to share with the world. So the whole idea is uh, we don't want to be a something, a country cousin of a Scotch whiskey or something. Yeah. We need to create an identity of our own. And uh, it's very heartening. The other players are also working on similar lines to, in, to offer unique products, innovative products uh, to the malt canoziers. And tell me, in, in India then, how... I'm very conscious that that food and drink are, are are you do them together. You know they're great dance partners. Um, with good food, you'll, you you guys tend to drink whiskey. Is that right? Rather than than wine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, the fa fact, as I mentioned, um, it's of the, the spirit side is about three hundred and fifty million cases, and the wine is still very very nascent over here. Uh, but, but India is now producing some world-class wines as well, uh, but it's still, uh, still a very uh, small category in terms of the overall volumes. Over so what, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is, what should I be eating alongside my Rampur double cask? You know, what's, what's the perfect kind of combinations? Are we, are we going to stay with Indian food or would you recommend it with something, something else? What, what's your recommendation? Uh, you know, uh, the good thing about uh, all the expressions of Rampur, they're easy drinking malt. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're, they're not very complex malts. We don't, we were very clear. We don't want the uh, consumer to keep thinking, what am I drinking? I, we want you to enjoy your drink. And luckily, most of the expressions of Rampur go very well in all kinds of food. Yes, Indian foods, it de definitely goes, but it also goes with cold cuts as well. It also goes with sushi. Mm, yeah. So, it, it, and uh, one thing I've learned in all these years in the beverage alcohol industry, whether it is your mixers or your food, please, please, please have it the way you want to enjoy it. There's no uh, correct way. Now, uh, for whiskey, uh, you know, uh, especially uh, you sitting in Scotland, if people were to mix it with a lemonade or a Coke, that's a big no-no. But my friend, you're paying for your whiskey. You want to enjoy it with a Coke? Please go ahead and yeah, do yeah. that. Stanji, <laughs> if that's what, what Daz does every day when he drinks his whiskey, so you know. <laughs> well, actually, as I'm, as I'm tasting the double cask, um, I'm thinking I'm thinking an old fashioned, to be honest. You've got mm. a lot of influence here from the American oak. And I'd imagine that's probably because of where you're aged. And there's a lovely spicy note coming through from some of these sherry casks as well. So I think with a touch of sugar, a bit of ice, a little bit of bitters, snap of orange over the top. I think we'll have a fantastic drink there with the Rampur double cask. A double cask and old fashioned go perfect. Uh, in fact, um, uh, we did that uh, for uh, the uh, uh, Thanksgiving uh, weekend in London. Uh, we did the uh, a premix of old fashioned and went off exceedingly well. 
So uh, as I said, uh, you, you can create your own uh, cocktail, own concoction, old, tall drink, whichever way you want. Personally, I love uh, a sour straight up. I wanted to, to rewind a little bit and touch on kind of what you said with regards to, it's almost like it, it seems like there's a bit of terroir going on within Indian whiskies. You mentioned the mountains, you mentioned the climate. I know you guys have a very rapid maturation over there. So is that something that you guys are talking about between all the distilleries? Is, is this kind of difference within that you're getting from the cereal that you're growing and your maturation? You see, as I mentioned, we use a six-row barley uh, from North India itself over here. Uh, and then uh, you touched on uh, the aging and maturation process. Even the experts uh, in Scotland um, admit and agree the maturation process in India is far more faster and aggressive. Uh, I can say about uh, Rampur, which is in North India, the summer temperatures are 40 degree plus and the winters can go down to about two degrees. So the variation is huge. The malt is interacting with the cask at a very aggressive uh, pace as well. What it also means is the evaporation losses are great, are huge. In the first few years, the evaporation losses we encountered in the range of 12 to 13%. Uh, on, a, on a similar basis in Scotland, it's about one, one and a half percent, two percent. So uh, aging is uh, not only faster, but it's a very expensive proposition as well, because the angels are pretty greedy in India. Uh, but then it gets compensated uh, with a faster maturation and a more uh, aromatic, so to say, the malt over here. And... Um, the temperature in the uh, India, as it's a vast country, diverse uh, climatic conditions as well, do vary in each of the region, which in turn imparts a uniqueness to all of those malts. Now, in case of Rampur, uh, we, we've been very clear, we want to stick to anything and everything that goes inside the bottle is Indian. So we actually, none of our expressions are PT because India does not grow peat. So, uh, that, and we, we, we're trying to experiment with a lot of uh, wood that we use for casks. So not only, not only limited to the uh, bourbon cask or the sherry cask, uh, or the other European oaks and casks, we are also experimenting with Indian, uh, what, what we can do with that. Uh, some of it may uh, come out successful. Some of them may not taste good as well. So there's a lot of experimentation, innovation that's happening right now. And it's a slow process. So uh, we, we, we like to what's happened in the past uh, or in the industry or malt industry. Yes, it's a great benchmark to start a foundation, but let's see how we can experiment, innovate come up with newer things over there. Something very much like the wine industry did. There was only earlier the Californian or the French wine, but now if you look at the new world wines, some of them are uh, amongst the best in the world. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I look forward to see, seeing what you guys are, uh, are gonna be up to over there because you know, I think 
and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't seem like you're as heavily regulated as we are in Scotland. You know, we have the, the Scotch Whiskey Association here, which is very strict laws that we have to abide to. Um, I don't think, is that coming to play yet in India with regards to these strict rules that you have to look at when you talk about a single malt? Uh, not uh, exactly as per uh, the legislation and all that, but it is far uh, more because the stakes are too high for the players. So it's more like a self-regulatory environment. And I think it's it's pretty good as long because end of the day, whatever may be the legislation and regulations, it is the liquid and the consumer acceptance of that. So uh, pardon my saying that the end number of uh, secondary scotches or standard scotches that are available in the market, which you may not like to drink. So it is all uh, on the industry and the players, how you self-regulate yourself, because as I said, it's still a nascent category. So you would not like to nip the uh, in the bud itself. We mm -hmm. still have a very, very long way to go. And uh, we all, I think the world over, everyone looks at the Japanese whiskey as the benchmark that what they've done all these years uh, with the category. That's something that one should aspire and try to emulate with the Indian single malt uh, as well. And what do you see the future or what would you like to see the future looking like for Indian whiskey? I think I'm very positive about it. The fact is that we were, there was only one player and then it took eight years for the second player to join in. And then two years later, we joined into that. And now we see a lot of other Indian uh, distillers also trying to come up with the single malt. As a category, uh, it's, it's great. The more people come in, the category starts expanding. But then, yes, you're absolutely right. One needs to be a little careful of what we're bottling over there. And I think as it's a free market, eventually it is the consumer who decides over here. So even though there may not be any legislations per se on that, but the consumer is the con and the acceptance of the liquid by the consumer sets the norms. Uh, so... I would say we, we've not even started. There's a huge ocean of opportunity that's available. And uh, as I mentioned, we are strictly on allocation, Rampur strictly on allocation. So it's still gonna be a long time before we are able to feed the entire demand or open up new markets. We're not even opening up new markets over here. So. It's an uncharted territory so far, uh, but very positive uh, opportunity. So as I mentioned, we started off with Rampur Select, uh, which was uh, all uh, first fill bourbon cask. The second expression that we launched was uh, Rampur uh, Sherry PX, which was a limited release of only 48 casks. There was, uh, again, uh, the first uh, fill Rampur um, from uh, the bourbon cask was finished in a PX cask for about nine months uh, over here. That was only a limited release. Then the third expression that we launched, uh, which uh, Mitch, you just tasted, is the double cask, which is two thirds of its life in American bourbon and one third in Sherry Oloroso. Gives a more balanced 
feel about it. <clears throat> the fourth expression that we launched was to commemorate 75 years of Rampur distillery. So we launched the Rampur Signature Reserve, which were only 400 bottles worldwide, uh, numbered bottles, which uh, we actually launched them at the whiskey show in uh, London when uh, we were still allowed to participate uh, in person. Real there. life events. I'm sure there's lots of that left. <laughs> well, uh, in fact, uh, finally we got um, uh, two bottles uh, for the daily duty free uh, and uh, they got sold off in within a week of their listing as well. And each one of them was at about $1,400 a bottle. So there were 400 bottles all got sold off uh, that as well. And the fifth expression is Rampur Asava, which does uh, you've tasted. This is, this is the, as I mentioned, first time in the history of single malts, uh, single malt finished in an Indian red wine cask. And we have a couple of other expressions in the pipeline, which will be coming out. Just, I was just going to say there as well, I, I'm massively impressed with your, um, the condition of the whiskey that you release also. Uh, good ABV, uh, the double cask here is at 45%, non-chill filtered, um, yeah. full of flavor. It's um, it, a whiskey lover's, are absolutely going to love these single malts if they haven't tried them yet. Um, so it's uh, it's been really pleasant enjoying these whiskies uh, with you. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, let me also mention that because initially we used to uh, be asked this: what is the age uh, mm. of the whiskies? Uh, but none of uh, Rambor expressions carry any age statement. The simple reason for that is that uh, aging. Uh, is about three to four times faster in India than compared to Scotland. And let me assure you and all your listeners as well, each expression of Rampur is aged for a fairly, fairly long time. But say if we age it for 10 years, uh, it is possibly equivalent to a 30 or a 40 year old Scotch. Mm. So legally we cannot write 40 year or 30 year old. So why undermine your product? For us, age is just a number. The most important thing is how you find the liquid organoleptically. And, and we very particular about this. We like to put the liquid to your lips and through that go to your heart. No, it's amazing. Uh, Sanjeev, thank you so much for being on, on the show. And you know, we know you're a, a busy man, so we really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about your, your fantastic whiskey that you, you have here. Thank you extremely, extremely uh, much, uh, both Mitch and Daz. All right, so that's it for the episode, guys. We hope you enjoyed that little insight into the fascinating world of Indian whiskey. Daz, did you learn anything? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I'm massively impressed with the double cask. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. And and actually, I had the Asava with a, a little cigar. And, and I do think that worked really well. I loved a little influence from red wine. You were talking about tasting notes actually with the Asava and you'd picked out almost like that kind of rose petally Turkish mm. delight kind of quality and it definitely has that. And that's a that's a peculiar flavor profile, that potpourri, that rose water kind of style. You don't see that so often in scotch. So yeah. 
I think I think it's it's a big eye opener, and that's that's been the great thing for me about de- doing these episodes is is doing a deep dive into different whiskies from around the world, and you know that's one of the plans for this year. Yep. I think we're going to look at European whiskies, yep. uh, Aussie Kiwi whiskies as well. Get into that, so it'll be re- I think it'll be really interesting to go on that journey. Yeah, and, and get us out of our Scottish whiskey comfort zone. But no, totally, I agree. I think traveling around and uh, with with the the world and the way it is, with the sharing of information uh, and the passion for whiskey growing around the world we're going to see more and more of these distilleries popping up in more and more locations around the world and yeah i'm actually i'm really delighted that we got to try these rampers so uh, absolutely yeah it's good to catch up as well with you mate but guys thanks so much for listening to this episode until next time may all your whiskies be golden and luscious just like daz's flowing locks oh mate that's nice cheers mate good to see you yeah oh i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs>